You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Well, you can uh, open your Bibles over to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we are going to start into a new series as usual. I have absolutely no idea how long this is going to go. These are things that the Lord's been putting on my heart for some time. And I think we'll go ahead and read a couple of verses here. Uh, And then I'm going to preface with some things and kind of tell you how I got into this. So, um, oh, hang on, I have to change versions. Um, So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. We're going to be reading all around these verses, but this is kind of the heart of it. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified or from the NIV, since that's what's going to be up on your screen. Um, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now again, we're going to we're going to read all around those verses as time goes on. <clears throat> but here's what's been going on in my heart. There's been tremendous amount of discussion in our in our society uh on the one hand in the church on the other hand about the effects that we've seen in the culture, in the church, uh, in in really all of culture. All of you know that for the last two and a half years or so, things have been different. And honestly, most of this, I, I understand that there were there were impacts uh, that happened because of the actual disease. Many people lost friends or family or somebody through COVID. And that was a reality, of course, for them. But what I've more been thinking about is the impact of the way we responded to COVID. And not just here in America, all over the world. We all kind of did the same thing. I mean, we we shut down uh, all over the world. We closed out economies all over the world. We are in a very different place than we were. And there are a multitude of impacts from that that we could talk about. and, and I just want to highlight a few of them because what, I, what I'm primarily thinking about today or, or within this is that a lot, of, uh, a lot of attitudes have changed because of isolation, because of lockdown, because of loss of uh, finances, for many, many reasons. Um, we all know that there's been a tremendous increase in the division in the country, which is already gone. I don't believe that the whole COVID thing created anything, but it did reveal some things and it, it exacerbated some things. It took things forward that were already at division, obviously, it was already at work politically, socially, uh, economically in our nation. That was all there. But it was like we had this, somebody hit the accelerator on a lot of these things because of our response to a disease. And I'm not really here this morning to say whether the response was right or wrong. I mean, I think it was overdone, but that's just me. That really isn't the point. The point is, where are we today? And what, 
what are we dealing with? What kinds of heart attitudes are we dealing with? What has, what has happened? And because no matter what changes in us, no matter what decisions we make, or um, no matter you know, how we go about life differently, God doesn't change. And his church hasn't changed. The nature of God and the nature of his church, his plan and his purpose in the earth, that never changes. And sometimes we change some of what we're doing in order to reach changes in culture, in order to, to reach people who are living in a different place. That's all. That's fine. We always need to be figuring that out. But God himself and his plan, his purpose and his word, it doesn't change. It does not change. And the way God works doesn't change. His message doesn't change. It's eternal. And so here we are, and I just, just a few, again, I'm just highlighting a few of these things um, that have happened that I believe there's been a real, there's been an aggressive attack against community. And yet God God is a community, number one. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are totally one. If you fully understand that with your brain, come talk to me because I don't, I've never known a person who did. But we accept that from the heart because God reveals it that way. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each one has a different role in the Godhead, and yet they are perfectly one in nature and character and purpose. And so he, he lives in community. He created mankind and, and drew us. His purpose was to have a people and to have a people that he can live in and that he can live with and have a, a closer relationship with us and him than we could, honestly, than we can ever have in this earth. Our horizontal relationships can be great and they still don't match what God has created for us in Christ. We really become one with him as we give our lives to Jesus Christ. And so he, he is in the community. The church is a community. We are bound together with love. We are built, being built together, the scripture says. We are, and, and so we're going to look at some of those things because again, I, I believe that over the last couple of years, there's been a real, a lot of the things that have happened go directly against community and the building of community. And I think some of us, we're just not aware of it, um, but it's a strategy. It's definitely a strategy to divide people one from another. And we just have to be wiser than that and, and understand. So, so here are some things that I think these were messages uh, that came out during our response to COVID that are now, uh, for some people, they're really ingrained in who they are. And the first one has to do uh, it's how we view one another. And, and we were kind of taught for a couple of years, and I'm not saying all of us grabbed hold of this, I'm just saying it's out there. Uh, we were kind of taught for a couple of years that another person might be a danger to me. Okay, if I get too close to them, they might infect me with something. And so we did the masks and we did, you know, did all that stuff. But there was this underlying message you'll notice people still, we still stand farther apart in the grocery store. We still, there's just this little bit of little concern, you know, don't cough in the restaurant, still, you know. And, and that's because it kind of got into 
our psyche and our hearts a little bit. And some people more than others, obviously. But it's like, that, that person could be a danger to me. Well, any time when we take this over to relationship, if we're going to have real relationship with people, we have to make ourselves vulnerable. We will have to be emotionally vulnerable if we're going to have real relationship. We can have surface relationships without very much of that. But when we start to really try to have deep relationships and deep connection, there's, there are a lot of things that have to go on. And one of them is we have to become vulnerable. People will let you down. I will let you down. We are, this is where we all live. People are wonderful. People are awesome. But at some point, we almost always fail one another. And that's why God has given us the ability to forgive and the ability to love beyond our own human capacity to love. We are, he has poured agape into our hearts, which is a love that loves regardless of the other person's response. This is why he's built those things. Really, when we start talking about living stones, we are the stones. That mortar is made of love. That mortar is what fits us together. That, that love that we have for one another that is not a human natural love, that's what allows us to be the church to be very different, to be diverse, and yet to function together as one. You know, and I'm getting way, way ahead of myself, but when we talk about unity, people have different kind of, I think, kind of funny ideas about what unity is. And, and we'll talk about that at another time in this series. But basically, unity requires diversity. There's nothing in the scripture that says, we are all supposed to be being made more like Christ. There is something in the, I changed horses there. There is, the scripture does tell us that we are to be being made more like him. But there's nothing in that or in that shaping process that God does that, that says the point is for all of you to be exactly the same, to, to be identical. That's, that's not the point. Unity actually requires diversity that is in harmony because of a greater principle. And again, we'll, we'll talk about that in the future. But we, we've seen a lot of fear being allowed in some people's hearts. And I don't, I'm not one who believes that everyone, whether they locked down, whether they wore a mask, whether they didn't, whatever, I don't believe everyone that did that was in fear. I, I do not. But there was a lot of fear that masqueraded as care for the other person or caution or something like that. And I know people personally who gave themselves and they'll stand up today and say they were never in fear, but every day, literally, every day, the first thing they did was go check the stats in their county to see how many people had gotten sick, what had happened, where it was, what... And it, it impacted them. And fear never stays in one place in your life. If you let it into one place in your life, it spreads. It just does. And all of a sudden, we're, we're worried more about many other things. And there's been a huge spread of that. Well, that comes against relationship, too. Because we tend to um, close ourselves off. When we get scared, we put up defenses. Okay, and for community to exist, we're going to have to let some of the defenses down. So, so all of that 
and I'll just go ahead and say this. You know, a lot of us knew this all along, but it has been proven and even acknowledged now by the drug companies that the vaccines never, and, and I thought this was evident at the time, honestly, I don't think this is new revelation. They never prevented people from getting COVID and they didn't prevent the transmission of COVID. The, the point was, their side was, you'll get a milder case. It was supposed to, you're supposed to get a milder case. And I think that was true for many people. Other people, it made very sick or killed them. But nevertheless, setting all that aside, okay, the, the point is that now they've acknowledged that. Pfizer has come out and said, yeah, we knew at the time that it didn't prevent it. I thought they said that at the time. That was always my perception. But uh, the, my point here is, even though this thing did not prevent the transmission of the disease, people who wouldn't get the vaccine that didn't prevent the transmission of disease were isolated further. They were kicked out of school. They lost their jobs. They were kicked out of the military. That, whatever you think of it, created a tremendous amount more division and resentment. And we're dealing now with that. We're dealing now with there being this greater level. Again, it's like somebody hit the accelerator. None of this stuff was new. But it's like somebody hit the accelerator. Well, now we're dealing with more division, more pulling apart. Why am I telling you all this? Because we as the church have a mission in the earth that hasn't changed. And we are needing to reach people that are in a different place. They are in a, believers and unbelievers, okay, in a different frame of mind than they were a couple of years ago. So, so it's important that we just recognize some of these things. The next one is just isolation, okay? Some of it was forced and some of it was chosen. Okay, but, but people were isolated, you know. We, we for, and, you know, this went on uh, in all kinds of places. I mean, the schools were shut down, businesses were shut down. We honestly had it really good, and, and we did go along with what the county wanted, but we only had to close down. And even then, we were doing live stream, and we were able to bring our team in every week. We did live church every week. And, but for six weeks, we had a reduced amount of people, and then everybody that wanted to could come back. Well, I know churches that were literally closed down for two years. And whether you think they should have done that or not, again, beside the point for what we're talking about this morning, the point is that in all areas of life, we moved into a new level of isolation. Maybe in your job, all of a sudden, everything was being done on Zoom, right? I just And, and that technology and that ability grew. And that is a good thing. On the one hand, I was just uh, a few weeks ago, uh, needed to be in a meeting with the city and the county. And because of some things that were going on, I couldn't be there physically. But I just asked for a Zoom link. So I was able to be there for most of that meeting until I had to leave. Well, that's a blessing. That's a good thing. Okay. But it also fed into isolation. It fed into, you know what? I really don't need to be face-to-face -face with other people. And my life feels easier because of that for many people, okay? For many people, they feel like the, because a lot of the challenges of relationship were kind of taken out. 
you know, on Zoom, you can just put up whatever icon you want. You don't even have to have people see your face. You know, there's no, um, there's no, what am I trying to, I should probably go back to my notes. The relational challenges are taken out of the way in a lot of those. There's no exposure, okay? There's actually, in some ways, there's no reality. You get on there and somebody, oh, you're on the beach in Hawaii. No, I'm really not. It's just a backdrop. I put, you know, and again, all that's fine for what it is, but what it created was a greater sense of isolation in the world. And a greater, I guess the word I'm looking for is normalization of isolation. You know, we were just out on the road and there are, it was late enough in the year we were past the just after Labor Day crowds that are out there these days that didn't used to be out there. But there were nomads, you know, everywhere. People in trundling along in all kinds of vans, you know, everything from like 64 Volkswagen Bugs, you know, to the big fancy Mercedes ones and everything in between. And you could tell, I mean, they've got antennas, they're, they're living there. And honestly, if when I was in my 20s, I probably would have done that, you know, pretty cool to be able to do that. So there's, there's a good side of it. But the thing is, if that becomes your lifestyle, where do you plant? Where do you plug in? On the one hand, you can be a Johnny Appleseed and you can go around, you know, sowing seed into a lot of folks. But what I'm trying to bring out is that isolation mentality really took hold. And there are a lot of people who no longer really value right now. They don't value community. We're kind of a weird bunch of critters, you know, because we, we crave community. We crave partnership and acceptance and love and all of those things. And yet at the same time, we kind of want all that on our terms, you know, whereas real community requires us again, to be meshed together with people that are very different from us. So, so I feel like that was another thing that just kind of took root. Uh, and, and really, there's now, it's like, well, we figured out how to do a lot of things online, never having to interact with other people. And again, there's an efficiency deal there that's kind of good for business. You know, we can we can do things better when we're not being interrupted by lots of meetings or, you know, so there's that side of it. But at the same time, all of that works against meeting people, being in community. And we're believers. Our mission is to go into all the world and make disciples. We can't do all of that online because, and here's what's happened is, we, and this is a real, this is a real, um, thing for pastors to try and work through. We were doing live stream way before COVID happened. It's a wonderful provision. It's a wonderful way. And I have some of you tell me from time to time, oh, I had to be home with the kids. I'm so glad we have live stream, you know, and I, and I am too. It's a great way to reach new people. It's a great, uh, it's a great tool for all of us when we have to be out. The thing is, it's, it's become in many cases a substitute for coming together. It's a wonderful, a wonderful supplement. I mean, I watch, you know, I watch some YouTube. I, I tend to listen to podcasts more than I watch YouTube. But 
you know, when I want to hear from somebody or some, you know, some other church somewhere else, I mean, I listen to and watch all kinds of stuff. I get a lot of feeding from that. It is a wonderful technology, and it is something that we can all partake of and supplement what we're getting, but it is not the same as being together in the same place. Like it or not, I believe that's God's design. And again, use it as a supplement. What a wonderful blessing to live in a day when we have all of this. But at the same time, we have to connect with people. And for some of us, it's harder than for others. And, And for the others that love to be in a group of people, many times what's hard for you is to make deep connections. You're, you're happy with a lot of less deep connections, love to be around people, but then there's that challenge of opening up and, and going deep, okay? And, and so there's a challenge for all of us, and there, and there will be, and there always has been, but I think it has certainly increased in our culture, uh, to be built together with, with others, to be the living stones that the scripture says that we are. Does this make sense to you? All right, so let's go back to these verses in 1 Peter. Let's start working through some of them. Uh, here again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. It says, as you come to him, the living stone. All right, so this is a description of Jesus. It's, it's taken, we'll read the, the prophecy that's taken from the Old Testament. This, is, this, was, a, this was a name that, that God gave to Jesus. As you come to him, the living stone who was rejected by man, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's a, it's a pretty strong statement. We're going to look at it. We are being built together. All right. This is God's purpose. This is God's design to build us together. All right. If we jump down uh, to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, it says, for in Scripture it says, so again, this is a quote from the Old Testament, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe this stone is precious, how many of you can identify with that? Jesus Christ is precious to me. This stone, this one that was laid as the cornerstone of the temple of God that he is building out of people, this one is precious. I mean, I I can't, there is nothing more precious in my life than the fact that God honestly chased me down and revealed himself to me and totally transformed my direction and my life and has been so good and so faithful, it's, it's astounding. It is astounding every time I think of it, how faithful God is. And, and so it, it says, to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, it's the stone the builders rejected. It has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. The original language there says a rock of offense. All right, so for us who believe, having that cornerstone laid, that's precious. 
it is, it is, we're going to talk about it in a minute. It says, you know, it is our measuring line. It is our, he is our standard. He is the foundation of all that goes on in our life. But for people who are aware and acknowledge who God is and who Jesus is, but are resistant to that in their life, to him and to the truth, uh, that can create a tremendous amount. And probably all of us know people like this. They're dealing with so much frustration and so much anger in their life. And it's because of that push against what God has revealed to them. That's not a criticism. That's just what happens. And it's, I think, our role to love people like that, to minister to people like that, to help them see. In many cases, they have a real misunderstanding of who God is. And uh, anyway, that's probably something for another time. So that's all a quote from Isaiah. What, what gets frustrating about that situation, I'm backing up, is that people set themselves against a truth that doesn't change to accommodate them. And so they choose something. They say, this is the truth. This is my truth. They start down that road and it doesn't work. And for a while they can kind of make like it works but it doesn't. And when you get to know those people and you get under the surface, there's a lot of unhappiness there. And again, we have the answer to that. That's not a place to reject anybody. That's a place to embrace someone and love them with the love of God and introduce them to a God who loves them like no other. Okay. But anyway, so in Isaiah chapter 28, this is the uh, prophecy that those Peter was referring to there. Isaiah 28 verses 16 and 17 It says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. So in in bringing Jesus and in laying him as the cornerstone of the church, the cornerstone of the household of God, he did that to create a sure foundation for us something we can stand on. He is the rock. He doesn't change. I am always, so as things change around us, I'm eternally grateful. There is one thing that never changes in my life, and that is God and his word, and it never will. God and his word will be the same when all of this goes away, all right? The one who trusts, I'm back in Isaiah now, will never be dismayed. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness, the plumb line. So let's just talk about some of, dig into a little bit what he's talking about. So so he says that Jesus has been made the cornerstone of the house that God is building and the capstone of the house that he's building. I think all of us know and you know that we as individuals, all right, we, we are believers, we are the church of the living God, but the but the church is a it's a community. It is a group that God is building as a dwelling place for himself. This is what he's always wanted, is to live in and with his people. It's why we were created. It's the most satisfying thing to us, and I think the most satisfying thing to him is having is building a people together where he can live and and where and that that church, that community is to display who he is in this earth as he works in us. And some of that we do as individuals, for sure. But some of that only happens when we're built together. Some of the display of his nature only happens when we're built together. Some of our experience of who he is only happens when we 
come together as worshipers. There's, there's a tremendous amount that happens in our individual life of worship and our individual time in the word and that kind of thing. We experience God there. But when we come together and we allow him to build us together, there's a greater anointing. There's a greater purpose. There's a, there's a greater accomplishment, a greater display of who he is. Again, because this is just his, his plan. So a cornerstone is the first and most important stone that's laid in a foundation. So he is first. It is, it is the stone from which all the rest of the building is measured and plumbed. Every other part of what every one of us, every part of what God does, does in us, uh, all of that lives in a perfect alignment and relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm saying that what God is building is all lined out with who Jesus is. He is the cornerstone of the foundation. So the cornerstone is the first and most important stone laid in a foundation. It is the stone from which every other part of the structure is measured and plumbed so that a foundation is made strong and certain and square. You know, it's all in right relationship. All right. So it's the only way that we can be in right relationship is if we're basing our relationships and our relationship to the world, all of that on our relationship to him. It has to line up with who he is. A good foundation doesn't shift it doesn't change direction. When you lay out a foundation, it's to be laid out from where, where you start. And in this case, we're talking about stones. So you lay that cornerstone. Everything comes straight out from that and straight across and straight up if it's going to be strong. All right. It doesn't shift, doesn't change. It doesn't come this way for a while and then go over here. I mean, we've, some, we've seen foundations like that, but this is not the way it's supposed to be. Okay. Yeah, that comes over here. Well, then it goes back over there. You know, that would be uh, kind of a picture of when we just decide, well, Jesus is like this. No, he's like that. No, he's just like what he revealed himself to be. That's, that's what he is like, and, and he doesn't change. All right. So on that cornerstone, there is usually, at least in older types of buildings where they were doing this, there's an inscription that defines it tells when the thing was laid, usually, and it defines the purpose of the building. Sometimes it's a name. Well, it's true of Jesus, too. He is who God has declared him to be. He is who he is, and it will never change. He is the cornerstone, all right? Um, it it says that the the verse we just read said, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. And I, I'm not going to try to define that too hard, but a measuring line measures horizontally out. How far can we go and, and how far out can we come with this foundation and still be, God said, justice, all right? Um, right, thing, things working honestly and things working right and things being fair and things being true. That, that justice is the measuring line. And it says that righteousness is the plumb line. That's a vertical me- uh, measurement. 
And the scripture tells us that we are new creatures in Christ and that we are, as believers, the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness speaks of our relationship, a right relationship with God. And so everything that God is building, and I I hope this is making sense to you, God is building his church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not withstand it, okay? The church, the the gathering that God has built, I'm not just talking about local church, I'm talking about worldwide church that then gathers in smaller groups, but the church, all believers, that God is building, the plumb line is that vertical relationship that we have with him. It keeps everything else straight in our lives. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so it's not... um, There's not something else that we would measure from. There's not a new idea, a new cultural norm, uh, something like that, that we would measure justice and righteousness from. It's already defined by the cornerstone. Does that make sense? It is defined by the cornerstone. All right. A capstone says he's the capstone too. So he's the first stone laid. A capstone is set on top of a structure and it defines the, the highest point. It is, it is the final word, in a sense. It finishes the structure. So he is the beginning, and he is the end. He is the first, and he is the last. He is the alpha, and he is the omega. He is the final height. We're not going any higher than Jesus. We're not going to um, supersede Jesus. He is the cornerstone. He is the capstone. All right, it becomes, it has become in our language, capstone is a word that speaks of someone's highest achievement, right? In academic uh, language, it's their highest achievement. Well, this is weird to say it this way, but Jesus and what he did for us, who he is, is God the Father's highest achievement. He fulfilled God's goal completely. And now we are being built on him and from him and and with him. Does that make sense? Okay. So so as we come to him, it says we become living stones. Earlier in in this book, he says that we have been born again. All right. He is the living stone. We become living stones. All right, we are born again, it says, from his word, which is an eternal seed, the scripture tells us. We'll probably look at that another week. It may be farther in my notes, I don't know. But it's back in the same book. He says that we are born again from an eternal living seed, which was God's word. So we're not born again from a natural seed, or the scripture uses the term sperm, it's a seed. Instead, we are born again from his word, which is eternal. And in that process, when we give our lives to Jesus, we, re- we receive his spirit. We are changed in our spirit man to become like him. And then for the rest of our life, we are being shaped to be more and more and more like him and to fit into a specific part of his plan. So we begin to be transformed, it says, into his likeness as we spend time with him and and time in his word. Second Peter 
chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. Through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, for by these he has bestowed on us his precious and magnificent promises, that's his word, of inexpressible value, so that by them you may escape from the immoral freedom. I thought that was an interesting way to put this. The immoral freedom that's in the world because of disreputable desire and become sharers of the divine nature. So we are becoming sharers of his divine nature. As you know, Jesus gave us the image of the vine and the branches. That as we are joined to him in relationship, his life actually flows out through us and we bear fruit that looks like him. That's not because we're great people. That's because of what he does. We become partakers and partners and participants, another version says, in the divine nature, the nature of God. What an amazing, what an amazing deal. And I'm saying all of this to you because it's telling us we're gonna we are being built together. We like living stones. Okay. The issue with living stones, okay, is the same as the issue with living sacrifices found over in the book of Romans. The the issue with living stones is sometimes they resist the shaping process. Okay, a dead stone, you can take it and you can shape it and you can make it any shape you want. But a living stone has a choice in this. Same thing with living sacrifices. They crawl off the altar sometimes and it, and it becomes an issue. And so for us, there's a, there's a willingness that's necessary for us to be shaped and fit into God's purpose for our life. And honestly, it is, that is our highest purpose. There is more satisfaction in that place, even though some of the shaping is uncomfortable for us. Uh, there is more satisfaction in that place than anywhere else because you were designed and created for it. And you become, you become a part of this bigger whole and you become a part of something much bigger than yourself. And you begin to be a support for the, for the other stones around you. Is this, does this make sense? Is this too? So we'll just finish this up. Just one more thing here. So it tells us here that it says, and you like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. Spiritual house, some of your translations say temple is a dwelling place for God. And it is a living, movable, visible demonstration of what worship is and looks like as a lifestyle, not just as something we do on Sunday morning. Peter got this language from his interaction, which we can read about in in Matthew chapter 16, we can read about his interaction with Jesus. And, and we'll do that at another time where Jesus renamed him Peter, which means a little stone, okay? And, and, he, and Jesus said, the revelation that you just got from the Father, I'm paraphrasing here, of, of the fact that I am, that Jesus is the son of the living God, that on that revelation, I'll build my whole church on that revelation. So let's just wrap this up. So it says we're being built, all right? That's a word in the Greek that defines a construction project, okay? It, it just, in, in their culture, it was used of building any kind of building, okay? So you can think about it. It speaks of gathering materials. So one of the things God is doing is gathering people to himself. 
It describes the shaping of individual parts to fit their intended function. If you've ever built anything, there's some shaping that has to be done to fit pieces together. You gather the appropriate materials, you shape them, you, you cut boards, you, you know, do whatever, and then you join those parts together in the appropriate places and in correct relationship to one another. That's what's in that word building. God is gathering materials. He's gathering people. Right? He's redeeming them. He is shaping us as we walk with him through the years. He shapes us and changes our hearts. He doesn't just press us from the outside to make us be what he wants. He actually changes us from the inside. It's an awesome process. And, and then, so he's shaping us to fit his intended function. He joins us together in the appropriate places and in right relationship with one another. And that's the, I think that's where we get uh, the wall's a little crooked sometimes. But anyway, God is, is doing that. This is my problem with building anything. It comes right here. I can gather materials. I can even shape materials to some degree. I usually mess up my cuts on a board. I'm just not good at it. Um, I can, my, we were down with Karen's brother the other day and we were pulling out some pieces of old wood that, uh, it's like old barn wood she's going to use to make some frames. And we were taking the nails out of them. And I said, that I can do. Because when I was in construction, I spent a lot of time pulling nails. He, <laughs> it apparently was my skill that they could let me do without wrecking anything else. Okay? I'm not good. I, get, I just get frustrated. I don't. So I put pieces together but they may not be the appropriate pieces and they aren't in right relationship to one another and it looks like it. So anyway, that's, it's just not my thing. But God puts things together and joins us together again into a whole that is bigger than the sum of the parts. The church is in this earth to be a place where God can display who he is to people. This is an amazing privilege. For us. Let's read one more scripture and um, we'll just call it for this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. This is from the NIV. Paul, of course, writing to Timothy. And uh, he comes down to verse 15 and, and basically he's saying that I'm, I'm writing this letter for this reason. I'm writing so that, all right? He says, if I am delayed in, in getting back to these people, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. And then that last phrase, the pillar and foundation of the truth. That's what the Lord is building in the church. And I know we aren't always this, but, but his intent is for us to be the pillar and foundation of truth that doesn't move and doesn't change so that people from all walks of life, all, you know, something about stones is they come in all shapes and all colors and all sizes and all hardnesses. It's the same thing with the church. He builds, he brings us together from all of our different backgrounds and all of our different beliefs and all of our different family situations and all that. And he is able to build us together 
into a community, into a structure, for lack of a better word, in the earth that becomes the pillar and stay of the truth. Why? So that truth is evident in the earth. Because we all have, we have all kinds of ideas. There are all kinds of ideas out there. There all kind, there always have been. You know, humanity without God kind of goes every direction. But there's always been in the earth, and there always will be the church that is the pillar and stay of the truth, where people can find, uh, they can come and they can find his presence. They can come and they can find what he has said that never changes and always has life in it. They can come and find that because this is what he's building in the earth. So just wrap this up. So we're living in, in a bit different time. That doesn't freak God out. God has been through many times with people on the earth, okay? Many situations. I think some of us get looking at the political situation or the, the division in society or this and that, the breakdown of the family, different things, and we just kind of feel hopeless. Man, Jesus needs to come and rescue us and he needs to do it soon. Well, maybe, or maybe he's just building us into a group that can address those problems with life, and with love, and with mercy, and with grace, and with the power and anointing of God. That's what's happened all throughout history. We don't live in the weirdest, it feels like the weirdest time to us, ever. But it feels that way to every generation, I think. You know, There have been many weird times, and, the, and God is good at bringing revival, and bringing his life and power. You know, it's the a, it's a same old thing. Where things are darker, light just shines brighter. Okay? Where sin abounds, grace does much more abounds. We have every reason to be excited, to be hopeful, to know we have a great purpose in the earth. And just understanding that what God's doing with us is he is forming. He's never stopped. He never will. Is forming us together as a community of believers and as his church and earth. And we have a role in this generation. We have a great role in this generation. All right, let's stand up and pray this morning. You guys okay? Doing all right? This, a, this was a, well, doesn't matter. We'll see more snow before the winter's over. Thank you, Lord. Father, I, I just thank you this morning, Lord, for, again, for your word. And Father, I believe your word is always full of life. And Lord, for all of us, it's so amazing the way you take the same word and you individually measure it to different people and apply it in different ways. And the reason you do it is to build us together into a household for yourself. We are so honored to be a part of that household. And so, Father, we thank you so much for what you've sown into our hearts today. We choose to cover it over and protect it. We choose to allow it to blossom and bloom in our life and produce fruit. And Lord, as we go out into this world this week, Father, God, we thank you. We will be lights in dark places. We will be the carriers of your presence, the carriers of your grace, the carriers of your love. And Lord, I pray that the gifts of the Holy Spirit be working in every one of us and through every one of us out there in the street this week. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Did you get something today? All right. We will be dismissed on the count of three, but not until we count to three. It's just, we can't go anywhere. There's lots of snacks out there. Good time to fellowship together. Good time. 
you don't want to be outside anyway, so let's enjoy one another for a while. So you guys go out and be the church. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. For listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.